morning. It's great to see everybody. I want to welcome you to Seacoast Church this weekend. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. If I haven't met you yet, get to serve as the lead pastor here at Seacoast. And uh, whether you're in the room, joining us at one of our campuses, or maybe you're online, we're glad you're here. I do want to give a shout out to our Conway campus. Uh, pastor Philip Miles was with us this week during our message run through. Every week we get together and kind of practice on a small group of people before we do this on the weekend. And Pastor Philip was the pastor of Christ Community Church in Conway. And he's one of the most kingdom-minded leaders that I know. It was about four or five years ago that he approached us and said, hey, we think that our next best step would be to become a Seacoast campus. And so he led us through that. And so we love you at Conway. Will you guys help me welcome all of our campuses uh, that are with us today? We love you guys. And before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and pray for Israel. Uh, like many of you, yesterday morning I woke up to see uh, the horrific terrorist attacks that happened in Israel. We love Israel as a church. We go there often. Uh, we have two trips planned there for next year. And I uh, just want to take a moment. I've been in contact with our, our friends on the ground in Israel. And it, what they are telling us is it's worse than it's being reported uh, just, just terrible. And, um, and so we just want to take a moment and pray and stand with them. So Father, we thank you uh, for your people. We thank you for your word, for your land, uh, the place where you chose to incarnate yourself, uh, to come and walk with us. And we just lift them up to you right now. I pray that no weapon formed against them would prosper. I pray, God, that what the enemy meant for evil, you would use for good. I pray, Lord, for the men, women, children, the innocent people whose lives are being impacted in terrible ways, that you would just be their help, their ever-present help in time of need. And uh, we just pray, God, that uh, your kingdom would come and that your will would be done, even in the midst of terrible, terrible circumstances. God, we lift up our time together today. We just pray, God, that you would speak. We know that none of us came here today to hear from me. We came to hear from you and so would you use my mouth and use your words uh, out of your scripture to speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, question for you guys. How many of you have ever felt like you were in over your head? Uh, show of hands, anybody ever felt like maybe you bit off a little bit more than you could chew? Uh, I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, some of you, you had a dream to start a business, and it seemed like a great idea, and you took that step of faith to launch that thing, <laughs> and then you knew what it felt like to be, if, if God doesn't show up, right, this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard. Some of you, maybe it was in, inviting the girl of your dreams out on a date, and she said yes. <laughs> you're like, oh no, you know, now I got to figure out how to come through on this thing, right? Uh, maybe you're a student, and just the idea of graduating or getting that degree uh, feels like it's going to take a miracle in order for that to happen. You felt in over your head. I've told you before, as the lead pastor here at Seacoast, just about every day feels like that. Uh, just the idea of the incredible work that God is doing here and being able to lead and be a part of that is, feels like a, a, a crazy hard thing. But some of the most significant things that have ever happened in our church usually come out of times where I have felt in over my head. I remember when my sister, Jenny, was diagnosed with cancer back in 2018, and and we decided that we were going to do a healing service. Uh, we, we announced to the church on a Wednesday night, said, hey, in three weeks, we're going to do a miracle service. We want you to come if you need a miracle in your life. And as soon as I said that, I was like, who are you? Why, why would you ever think that you could pull off a miracle service? And the reality is I couldn't, but God did. 
And, 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 and often when we are in those situations where we feel like we're in over our head, we're tempted to do one of two things. Number one, we're tempted to lower our expectations and lower the bar to something that we think we can handle. Uh, or we learn how to tap into a source that is greater than what we can do on our own. And so this week, I'm going to kick off a series on how we can lower our expectations and just not be in over our head anymore, right? No, no we're actually going to do the latter. Uh, we're, we're going to study the book of Acts for the next four weeks. Somebody told me in the foyer after the, the earlier service, they're like, you know we can't do Acts in four weeks. And, and I realize that. But we're going to do a burst through the book of Acts. And we're going to learn how to tap into a source that is greater than us when we're in over our heads. And why Acts for this? Well, because if you open up the book of Acts, and by the way, there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. This is going to be a four-week series. And so I would just encourage you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan or if you do, uh, read a chapter in Acts every day over the next four weeks. And you can kind of track with this incredible story of what happens when people who are in over their head, but they learn how to tap into the right source, connect to a source that can help them with whatever it is that God has put in front of them as an assignment. When, when you open up Acts chapter 1, the, these, these guys, we call them the disciples now, but they were a group of guys. Jesus had given them a mission that was absolutely impossible for them to accomplish on their own. They're completely in over their heads. In fact, Jesus told them, uh, he, he told them in Acts chapter 1, he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is the mission that he gave them. You're going to be my witness. By the way, that's still our mission today as a church. We phrase it a little bit differently, but that is the mission of the church. God didn't like form a group of people and go, well, I need to come up with something for them to do. Let me come up with a mission for them. I think that's the problem with a lot of churches sometimes is we're gathered together trying to figure out something to do together. No, God gave the mission before he gave the church. He said, this is the work that needs to be done. Now I'm going to form the church to go do that work. But Jesus told them in, in another version in Luke 24, he told them, don't go try to do it on your own because it will eat your lunch. In Luke 24, he said, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. It's like, don't go try to do it in your own strength because you can't. You need to go and you need to wait until I send the Holy Spirit who is going to empower you. And so the hope for this series, the goal for this series is that we would become a more spirit-filled church, that we would become more spirit-filled believers that are clothed with that power that Jesus was talking about that he wants to give. And here's what's funny. From my perspective, when I say we're going to focus on being a more spirit-filled church, I can see how the atmosphere changes in the room. Some of y'all are like leaning in like, yes, I can't wait. When do we do we run laps around the building and get out the banners and and then some of y'all are like, oh gosh, let's <laughs> get ready to get weird in here. You know, this is what I've been worried about this place. Be because we have a lot of different backgrounds. And it's always fun for me to know who I'm speaking to. And so here and at the campuses, you guys humor me for a little bit. Let's talk church background for a moment. 
How many of you guys came from a Baptist church background? Just show of hands. Okay, a lot of you guys. Did you know there are more Baptists in South Carolina than there are people in South Carolina? <laughs> Just some huge Baptist churches. Uh, how about Catholics? How many of you grew up in a Catholic background? Look around right now. It always surprises people that almost 50% of our church, you guys grew up with Catholic backgrounds. And I used to say that you are former Catholics, but I learned there is no such thing as a former Catholic. Many of you are praying that your mom didn't see you raise your hand in a non-denominational church with that Catholic background. How many of you grew up in a Presbyterian church background? Look at y'all raising your hands in church. The Holy Spirit has already shown up. I mean, it's already happening. This is just amazing. How about the charismatics? Any Pentecostal charismatics? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they make noise. They raise both hands. They're leaned in. They're ready to go. It's going to be great. How many of you grew up with no church background? You, you didn't grow up in any church. It always blows me away. You guys are up for anything, right? You're like, all right, let's do it. Let's figure out what, 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 whatever. I'm on board with what God wants to do. And, and so the reality is, as you saw, a lot of us are coming from different backgrounds in different places. And, and whatever your background is, is normal to you. But your normal is weird to some of the rest of us and vice versa. Like, and, and so here's what I thought we would do is let's together go beyond our backgrounds all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the moment where the church was formed and where the Holy Spirit came and filled the church. And let's kind of let's let's go back to a, a, a better normal than whatever our background and experience was, which is what God wanted us to experience as the New Testament church. Because if you follow the book of Acts, it is a wild ride. It's amazing. They really do fulfill that mission. The first part of Acts, they're in Jerusalem, and then they go to Samaria. They go to the ends of the earth. But we get to go to the, the beginning, the foundational point, the moment where the Holy Spirit came and filled the church. And we're going to look at what does it mean for us to be a more spirit-filled church? What does it mean for us to be believers who know how to walk in the spirit you know, in the New Testament, the Bible talks a lot about walking by the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. And we're going to learn what that looks like together. So Acts chapter 2, the moment where it all begins. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, let me stop there for a moment. Pentecost is 50. Uh, penta means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. It's a Jewish holiday that they would have gathered together. People would have come from all over the world, Jews, to come celebrate the day of Pentecost. And so that's what it was, day of Pentecost. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. Some of you have lived through a hurricane. Some of you have experienced a tornado or a, and that's the kind of atmospheric change that happens as they're gathered together. Where are they gathered? Uh, I believe, and, and it, it, theologians have different perspectives on this, but we know later that 3,000 people are going to get baptized that day. The only place that would have held that large number of people would have been the temple. And often the upper room is referred to as the, the steps right outside the east entrance of the temple. That's where I believe they were. Uh, we've gathered together in that very place. And so they experienced this rushing wind. And then it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Just some commentary on what that would have meant. Tongues of fire. 
If, if you know and read the Old Testament, fire is often referred to as one of the ways that, that God manifested his presence to his people. You remember Moses in the burning bush. You kind of get this vision of this burning bush now is, is descended upon each of these believers. Uh, when the Israelites were traveling through uh, the wilderness, we know that the fire of God descended on Mount Sinai. We know that the fire of God led them at night through the wilderness. It was God's presence. And it was absolutely game-changing because up until that point, the presence of God was reserved for the temple, the Holy of Holies. Sometimes one person would be filled with the Spirit of God. But here now, all of these believers in the room, the, the presence of God, the fire of God has now descended on each of them and is on their forehead. And this absolutely changes the game for the church. Now the, the presence of God isn't just a place where you go and you pilgrim to this place like they did many times throughout the year. Now the presence of God will go with them wherever they go. Absolutely game changing. Sometimes I think we miss what a privilege it is that the spirit of God now wants to live in us and empower us. And then it said they start speaking in different tongues. And some of y'all who are Baptists are like, this is where it gets a little crazy. This is where they're going to, you know, actually, we do believe in 1 Corinthians teaches a, a, a language, a prayer language, a, a gift of tongues. But, but that's not exactly what's happening in this situation. What's happening now is you've got these, these Jews who, again, they've come from all over the world. They speak different languages. And now all of a sudden, somebody starts speaking out in a language that they don't understand, but somebody else does. And that starts happening all over the place. And so Fred starts speaking in a language and, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But now there's an African Jew who is hearing the gospel of Jesus for the very first time in his own language. It's such a beautiful miracle that God does. And it's a reminder that the very first time that the story of Jesus is preached after he ascends to heaven is done in lots of different languages so it's accessible to lots of different people. That's why the church should look different. There should be a diversity of people. I love that we come from different backgrounds. And for some of you, what honoring God means is dressing up in your Sunday best and coming to church. And that's cool, you know. And some of you, what honoring God looks a little different based on your background. But what's cool about this moment is that Jesus is, is saying, hey, I want, to, I want my message, the good news of what I've done is for everybody. You don't have to become our culture in order to receive and embrace the message. Most religions, if you become a Muslim, you're going to slowly go on a journey to become more Arab in nature. That's just kind of what most religions want to do is turn you into that. And Jesus is like, no, I want to actually redeem all of the cultures and see that kind of new, a, a newness where we're all gathered together under the umbrella of Jesus and bringing the cool parts about our language and background and culture and it's just an amazing thing. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of people that are watching what's happening in Acts chapter two and they're like, this is incredible. And then there are other people watching going, these people are crazy. In fact, they began to accuse them of being drunk. And so Peter gets up and Peter preaches a message and he starts off by saying, hey guys, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. These people aren't drunk. To which some of you are like, do you know some of my friends? We've gotten a lot done by nine o'clock in the morning in my college, you know, like, but, but he's saying, no, no, that's not what's happening here. It's not what's happening here. And he begins to preach. He preaches a 10 minute sermon 
He would have been done by now. Y'all would have loved Peter as a preacher. 10-minute sermon about the story of Jesus, and 3,000 people get saved, and the church is born, and then we're a part of that to this day. And so it's this, this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I've just been praying as we go through the book of Acts that we would experience the power and presence of God, that we would be a spirit-filled church. But what does that look like? What does a spirit-filled church, church look like? Well, what's cool is that we actually see what a spirit church, look, my, my phone is, it's playing some worship music in the background uh, because our worship team apparently wasn't with it. I don't know how that happened, but... Um, but what's a spirit-filled church look like? Here's what we're gonna do. Real quickly, I'm gonna walk you through five characteristics because what we see after this sermon and after these people get baptized, Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, shows us what it looks like to be a spirit-filled church. Like what came, what was born out of this moment. Acts chapter two, I'll show it to you in verse, uh, verse 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A spirit-filled church. It says they were devoted to some things. That the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives produced a sense of devotion that they had towards certain things. Now, devoted isn't a word that we use a lot. What does devoted mean? Devoted is, it's a loyalty, a love, or an enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. Devotion. You guys are devoted to some things. Uh, some of y'all are devoted to the Golden Bachelor. I, I've seen you post about it on Facebook. I don't understand it, uh, but you are. You know, some of you, like me, you're devoted to Clemson football. It wasn't pretty, but we got it done, you know, yesterday. You're devoted to a team, a football team. Some of y'all are devoted to, there's been a revival in this country of devotion to Taylor Swift over the last year, year and a half. And now you're Kansas City Chiefs fans too, because she's dating Kelsey and you're kind of all in to that stuff. But you know what it is to be devoted, to, to give yourself to something. If you want to know what you're devoted to, uh, you can pull out your phone. Every Sunday, I get a little notification. I, you guys may get this too, that tells me, how much time I've spent on my phone. And then if you open that up, it'll actually break it down for you. It'll show you how much time you're, it's a little scary at times to see how much time you're devoted to Facebook or social media or whatever that might be. But what the New Testament church was devoted to were five things. And we see it in this, this passage. The first thing they were devoted to is the word of God. A spirit-filled church is devoted to God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles Teaching, You know, it's ironic that often when you're talking about charismatic churches versus, you know, maybe reformed churches, the, 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 the reputation of a spirit-filled church is, ah, oh, they're light on God's word. You know, they're all about emotion, light on God's word, not the spirit-filled church of Acts chapter 2. They were sold out and devoted to God's word. 
I don't know how believers survive without God's word. For me, and I'm not perfect at it, but I try to spend time in God's word every single day, not because I feel obligated to, but because it's a source of life for me. There's so many times where the thing that God has called me to do, the gap between where I, I, I feel over my head, it's God's word fills that gap. He'll speak to me. His spirit will speak to me through his word. So I encourage you to be devoted to God's word. Again, pull out your phone and, and, and maybe you open up the Bible app and just find a, I'm doing a 28-day reading plan through the book of Acts. That's one way that's gonna help me just be devoted to God's word. And when God's word comes up against maybe an area of my life and, and there's a discrepancy between my life and God's word, I don't assume there's a problem with God's word. I assume there's a problem with my life and my behavior, my actions. Got to be devoted to God's word. A, a spirit-filled church isn't just devoted to God's word. It's devoted to each other. Devoted to each other. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To fellowship. They were devoted to each other. To the gathering of the saints. In large environments like this, it says they gathered at the temple courts and then they gathered in each other's homes. That's why we talk so much about small groups and about how important it is we need each other. We were never meant to live out this faith alone. And I know it's popular to hate on the church these days. You know, it's full of hypocrites. Yeah, so are you. Come join us. You know, we're all hypocrites to some degree or another. We don't want to be, but we're, we're, we're flawed. And it's easy for people to say, I love Jesus, but I just don't really love the church. Well, you know, if you came up to me after church today and said, hey, Josh, I'd love to, to get together with you. I'd go, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's hang out. We'll, we'll get together on Tuesday night. I'll bring my wife. And they're like, well, actually, I'm not, I'm not really into her. Um, I don't like your wife. Uh, she's, she's a pain. You and I would have problems because I come with my wife. And, and did you know the church is the bride of Christ? And, and so when we criticize the church, I don't think that Jesus is loving that. He understands we have flaws, and I don't mean to belittle, maybe some of you have been hurt by people in the church. I get it. The church is full of people, and we've, we're broken, but we need each other. We, we got to be devoted. A spirit-filled church is going to be devoted to each other, be devoted to the bride of Christ. So it's devoted to God's word. A spirit-filled church is also devoted to God's presence devoted to God's presence. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And that's not just like lunch on Wednesday. When, when the New Testament talks about the breaking of bread, it's usually referring to the Lord's table, communion. And, and communion is often believed to and experienced to be a place where you just experience the presence of Jesus, the body and the blood of Jesus and the New Testament church was so devoted to the presence of God. It says they were in awe. They were just in awe at what God did through the apostles and the miracles that would happen. They knew that if the presence of God was there, anything could happen. If you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, if you're stuck in an area, the presence of God is, is, is the, the, the environment where breakthrough can happen. Are, are you devoted to the presence of God? I hope for us, we don't just come to church 
hoping to hear some cool worship songs and a nice message, but that we show up anticipating the presence of God, that we show up to our small groups, anticipating that God is going to speak to us and through us, and he's going to use us in a powerful, powerful way. Maybe reflect on your attitude about the presence of God. Are you showing up late, leaving early? Is response time a great time to get out and get to the restaurant? You know, I know everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but I'm watching you guys. I see you. No judgment. But, <laughs> but what is your attitude and what is my attitude about church and about small group reflecting back to me about the presence of God? Am I devoted to that? I, I love when I get up in the morning so often, most days I'll, I'll go, Lisa will be out on the the back porch and worship music will be playing and she'll have her journal out because she's expecting to, to hear and talk to God and, and God's word is open and she's just devoted to time in God's presence because, because we need him. We need him. So a spirit-filled church is devoted to God's word. It's devoted to each other. It's devoted to God's presence. It's also devoted to prayer. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and to prayer. You know, Jesus ascended to heaven on the 40th day after he was crucified. And he told them, we read it earlier, he said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem, and I want you to pray. And for 10 days, the apostles waited, and they prayed, and they leaned in. Prayed for 10 days, Peter preached for 10 minutes, and 3,000 people were saved. And so often today, we pray for 10 minutes, preach for 10 days, and see very little fruit of the ministry. They knew that the, the power came through prayer. Uh, we, we've talked to you guys about the Chosen Women's Conference, and so many of you guys were a part of that. And, and I don't know if we came back and, and, and shared all that God did there, but man, we had 2,500 women that showed up, experienced the power and presence of God. And kind of in a fairly unplanned moment, at the very end, we did baptisms and we created an atmosphere at the altar for people to come and, and just experience God's presence and God's power. And we ended up baptizing over 150 women that night and we saw people healed of really cool things. And 11.30 at night, Brandon Lake's play, playing the drums and, and God's still showing up. And, but I was thinking about that this week as I was reflecting on this message. And I was reminded of how many times in the weeks leading up to the Chosen Women's Conference, I would drive up here to church and I would see groups of women walking around the parking lot, praying, seeking God. How many times I would walk in our kitchen past Lisa, she'd be on a Zoom call with Jenny and Jenna and Keenan and Andy, and they would just be weeping and praying and asking God to show up in power. They were devoted to prayer. When God showed up in, in that healing service and began to heal people and began a movement that we still are seeing today and is still available to us as we respond to him, it followed 21 days of prayer and fasting and leaning in to God. A spirit-filled church is devoted to prayer. It's devoted to God's presence, devoted to each other, devoted to God's word, Last thing I see in this is the spirit-filled church is devoted to generosity. 
I, I love that they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. If you want a, a sign of a spirit-filled church, you're gonna see just generous people. And there is this picture in the New Testament and especially in the book of Acts that, man, when there was somebody who had need, there were, there were followers of Jesus who had need, there were followers of Jesus who had margin, and they just saw themselves all as one and the same. We're just gonna be a part of it. We're gonna help each other. And I remember we did a series on the book of Acts years ago, 10 plus years ago. And as we read through Acts 2 and Acts 4, I think it was Pastor Greg that was like, man, we should create an Acts 4 fund. And it's the same principle that, man, if there are believers with margin, they would give and there would be believers that have need. And, 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 and we'll just see if, if we can create an Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4 environment. And did you know that to this day, every single month, there are people that have their light bills paid, their electric bills paid, people who are in need, who are served by people who have margin. Is that not amazing? And some of the, the, the coolest stories are people who give to the Acts 4 fund because they were once somebody who was in need. And they knew what it meant and how, how it felt for the church to rally around them. And that's why I love when, when, when some of you guys go through needs or you hear of needs and social media is terrible for a lot of things, but one of the cool things about it is seeing you guys share news and GoFundMes and it's like, man, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna be involved. And, and I would just encourage you as, as your reflexive response to a need to get excited about being involved in it. You know, one of the ways that you'll know if you're a spirit-filled believer is that you just have an attitude of wanting to be generous and want to serve, want to be a part of what God is doing in his church. So spirit-filled church, the gap between where you are, where you feel in over your head, the thing that you need isn't more training, more instruction, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we go through this book of Acts, you're gonna see where the Holy Spirit produces a boldness and a confidence and, and a willingness to get out of their comfort zone and empowerment to do the mission that God has called you and I to do. I, I know that he's created each of us uniquely with purpose. And I know that if we fully surrender ourselves to following him, we'll find many moments where there's a gap between our ability and the thing that God's called us to do because he loves when we're dependent on him. His power is made perfect in our weakness. So how do I become a spirit-filled believer? I'm glad you asked. They asked too. If you look at the end of Peter's message, the people heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's a generational promise, not just for you, but for our families and for our families' families. That promise extends to us who are sitting here in this room or at the campus that we're in or wherever you're watching online today to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, well, Josh, I was taught that I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was saved, and, and you, you may have been. But if you're like me, we leak. <laughs> you know, this world tends to take it out of us. This world tends to, and we, we are tempted to walk in the flesh. 
versus walking the Spirit. And so I pray every day that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that God would give me the power and the strength that I need for whatever it is that he's put in front of me today. So I wanna pray for you and just pray that, that all of us would position ourselves, say, God, I want you to fill me with your Spirit. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if that's your heart's posture, say, God, I want more of you today. I want to repent of my sin. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just hold your hands out in front of you. I'm not going to make you get up, do anything. Just, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pray for you, but for the next few seconds, I just want to invite you in your own way, in your own spirit, to just ask God to fill you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. And we ask you to fill us with your power, with your strength, with your spirit. God, I know I'm painfully aware of the gap between my abilities and the calling and the purposes that you have in my life. And I don't want for one second to try to do it on my own. I wanna experience your power. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you fill us with your spirit? God, we repent, Lord, of the things that even in this moment that you're bringing up in our minds and in our spirits of areas where you've called us to a place of obedience and we've chosen not to. God, we, we turn from that and we wanna, we wanna be obedient to you. We believe, Jesus, in who you are and what you did, that you came and that you lived a sinless life, that you died on a cross in our place taking the penalty of our sin, which is death, so that we could experience life with you. Lord, would you empower us? Would you fill us? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, we're gonna respond to him today.